0: This is Cabernet and True Crime, the place where good wine and true crime come together. Hi friends. I feel like this week, this week, this month has flown by and I'm just tired. <laughs> like I just, I don't even know where this time is going. I feel like I'm constantly trying to like I just constantly have other stuff I need to be doing. Like, when I'm busy doing something, I feel like there's a thousand other things that I should also be doing at that time. Um, and this is called Welcome to Adulthood, I suppose. Uh, also, I realized... So, by the time you hear this, what day will it be? Because it's Sunday night. Not to, once again, not to ruin the fun for you, so on the 19th. Um, yeah. I realized while sitting down to record this that I never posted the patron exclusive episode. Like, I recorded it, and I uploaded it onto YouTube, and then I just kind of let it sit there. So, that's my bad. I, like I said, I don't know. This month has been wild, and tumultuous is a good word for it. And no better time for the Jana Reads You old blog post episode, because girlfriend needs a break. <laughs> and this one, um, actually has the most, it's one, it's my most searched blog post, and that's exciting, because, like, this was a fun one to research, it's not very well known, which is kind of why I like to do the unknown ones, because you learn something new, but yeah, 10 out of 10 people, this is one, this one on my website gets so many hits of, like, people Googling it and researching it, so I actually went out of order. The next one should have been the Axe Man of New Orleans, um, which would have been fun, yeah but at the same time uh, I know my favorite murder did one on that and I feel like somebody else did too and as you know I don't like to cover I don't like to cover cases that I know for a fact that other people have done unless like I really enjoyed doing it so I know um, Gary Heidnik was done by my favorite murder as well but that was just one I really wanted to cover and um I think there's one or two more, but if I know for a fact that someone has very recently done a podcast or a YouTube thing on it, I won't, I'll just leave it be and not not do it. Uh, so I skipped over X-Men of NOLA, I might go back and do that at a different time, I just, you know, it's, I kind of want it to be its own thing, and if I don't have to use it, then I'm not going to. So, today, we are going to be talking about the death of Candace Newmaker, which this one I don't even remember where I found it. It was, like, on BuzzFeed, like, crazy, crazy cases of whatever on BuzzFeed. I'm pretty sure. I have no idea. Um, but yeah, this case is insane, and it's, like, there's a whole bunch of rabbit holes you can go down with this one, but I, I didn't, uh, mostly because, A, it's the death of a child, and I really don't want to go into a whole lot of detail on that, uh, just because it is what it is. Um, but there are a lot of, there's a lot of research you can do on your own, if you want to know that. Um, I think I didn't link it in here, but um, there's footage that you can see of her dying, and there's a whole transcript which like made me want to barf, because it's so weird. Like Everything about this case is just very strange, and very culty, and kind of over the top. And I, I know this one was short because there's really not a whole lot of backstory to it. And a lot of the information... Like, if you want to read the transcripts, go for it. But I'm not gonna... I wasn't about to copy and paste a whole bunch of transcripts on, like, this blog. You know, that seems kind of weird to me. Um, why just blatantly steal somebody else's work when I could just give you a link for you to go there and read it yourself if that's what you want, you know? And give them credit where credit's due. So, um, without further ado... Let's talk about the death of Candace Newmaker. Which, like I said, um, sorry, I know this one's going to be short. I it's really unavoidable. It's not a very long blog post, and I don't, you know, I don't want to beat a dead horse and like drag this out longer than it needs to, because then that seems weird. Um, but the patron exclusive episode, it had to be. It's the first one that's ever had to be two parts because I got less than halfway through it, and we're already at thirty-five minutes, I think. I was like, I'm just going to have to do a second part, which felt weird, and I didn't know a good place to cut it off, but I didn't want to skimp on any of the information and not give it, so it's a two-part episode, so maybe it's better that it's late, so you guys can watch them, like, boom, boom, right after one another. The second part will come out on um, the 30th, no, the 1st, which, um, those will be available to both, to all tiers because it seems weird to make, like, you have to pay money for the second half, because that seems dumb, um, so those will all be just, everybody can watch it if they want, there's no specific tiers, that's my last, there's always one more to do, you know, so that that's my last to do. Now, let's talk about the death of Candace Newmaker, um, so Candace Elmore was born on November 19th, 1989, in Lincolnton, North Carolina, Um, While she was still young, she and her siblings were removed from their birth parents due to neglect and abuse, and the three children were separated and placed in different homes by social services. At the age of seven, she was adopted by Jean Newmaker, a single woman and nurse practitioner. Jean came from a well-to-do family in Warren, Pennsylvania, a town nestled into the deep silence of the Allegheny National Forest of northern Pennsylvania. She was known for having a good heart, albeit she was bossy. Um, Candace Tierra Elmore became Candace Elizabeth Newmaker on June 14th, 1996. She was issued a new birth certificate stating that Jean was her mother and Durham was her birthplace. So, you know, think about that. She's seven years old. Well, about seven years old. Six or seven years old. You came from an abusive home. You get adopted by this stranger and... I mean, I'm assuming that was kind of hard to cope with. Like, you got taken away from your parents. You and all your siblings got separated. You don't know where they ended up. You're too young to understand. And now you have this mom, which, I mean, is good. Like, thank you, Jean, or Jeannie, for coming in and, you know, rescuing this child and fostering a kid and adopting her. That's, like, really respectable to do. Um, But, like, it goes south because it's almost... This wasn't a good transition, in my opinion, and you'll see what I'm talking about. It's like, I feel like Candace went from not having any love in a family to having too much love in a family and didn't know how to respond to that, and then she starts lashing out. So, Candace was showered with gifts and went um, to one of the top public schools in the country, or county, sorry. However, Candace didn't take the new attention well. She snapped at students before and after school she said, don't talk to me. Don't look at me. And ultimately, though, she warmed up and began to take root in her new town. Um, at least that's how it seemed to neighbors and friends. So only a few months after the adoption, Jeannie began taking Candace to a psychiatrist, complaining that Candace's attitude was inappropriate and in later sessions making accusation that Candace was a firebug and was killing goldfish. Candace's psychiatrist once said, I don't think she was normal, or I don't think she was a normal, happy kid. She could smile and be real cute, then she would be mean. Um, which, you're going by, I don't want to doubt Jean, which, that kind of puts you in a weird place. Do you believe what Jean's saying, or is Candace truly, uh, you know, showing signs of an antisocial personality disorder, you don't know, and she's still young, and she went through a lot, so I think, I think Jean putting her in therapy was a good idea, that seems like, yeah, like, that's, let's do that, get her help, that makes sense, um, we're gonna see how this goes, right, (laughs) So, Jean was doing whatever she could to help Candace with her moodiness, going as far as trying antidepressants, antipsychotics, and even amphetamines to combat her attention deficit disorder, but none of them were working to calm her. Uh, Which, I don't necessarily agree with medication. I mean, okay, but that's fair. I don't know what other things had been tried, because... I don't necessarily agree with putting a child on antipsychotics and those types of drugs. I feel like there's other... It's clear the child has resentment issues and probably, like, just has issues in general. She had a very traumatic life. Like, it makes sense that she's lashing out and mean to people. I think that makes sense. I wouldn't... I would be... Honestly, honestly, I would be more concerned if... Candace dealt with all the stuff that she had dealt with in her life and was acting completely normal because then you're suppressing things. So her acting out as a, as an older kid and into, you know, I think she was maybe 11 um, when she passed away. That's a, a weird time in a person's life. You're getting older. You're getting more responsibilities. You just got adopted by someone who wants the best for you, but you don't know how to you don't know how to take that in, and I think maybe Jean was looking at this as more of a problem than it was, instead of maybe backing off and understanding that Candace couldn't cope with that. I think there was there was a better better ways to go about this than pushing harder, and um, you'll you'll see why. Um. So. Jean stumbled upon something new i mean it's called attachment disorder and loosely an attachment disorder describes a child's inability to bond with his or her new parents uh, Jean had gone to a convention to learn more about this condition and the stories she heard from other parents were remar- remarkably similar similar to her own which once again i am not surprised that you adopted a seven-year-old who has trauma and who doesn't want to be showered with love and affection that doesn't like i don't see that as being a disorder i see that as being a change of environment and not reacting well to that i think that's understandable um so in 1999 genie attended another national convention on the matter in alexandria virginia she met a therapist who despite never meeting candace stated that she definitely had attachment disorder and that he would rate her as quote fairly severe. He recommended Connell Watkins in Colorado to help her. Which, okay, right off the rip, that seems sketchy, right? This guy who's like, Yep, your daughter is totally severely affected with this like psychological disorder. Take her to a specialist in Colorado. Ten out of ten. You don't even know the kid. You're basing that off of whatever I'm a firm believer that every situation has two sides. And it's cool that Jeannie was able to meet these people and, you know, find help for herself in coping with the fact that she thought her daughter had attachment issues, her adoptive daughter had ish, attachive issues, but you don't know Candace's side of the story. You don't know how Candace feels about these things, so you can't sit here and say, like, yep, she's totally effective, affected without even talking to her, right? You can't diagnose a, a therapist Psychologist or whatever cannot diagnose a person without ever talking to them. That's not how that works. So the fact that he was like, yep, totally messed up. Take her to this guy in Colorado. It's like, meh. Why don't you meet her first? How about that? So Watkins was an unlicensed psychotherapist in Evergreen, Colorado, and Dr. Foster Klein were pioneers in attachment disorder. Okay, so even better. So you look this, what, you look this guy up and you say, okay, sweet, like, I I got this cool recommendation, you look him up and you're like, wow, he's unlicensed, he's an unlicensed psychotherapist that I've never met before, that I'm going to go to Colorado and have him treat my child. Nope. (laughs) That, that doesn't make a whole lot of sense to me. Um, so according to Dr. Klein and, uh, Watkins' theories, um, which were, which, really were accepted by most attachment therapists. The disorder can be traced back to infancy. Every time you are left hungry, in pain, with a wet diaper, if your parents didn't respond to those needs, a part of your brain develops differently and you have a difficult time trusting others. So, in short, Dr. Klein and Watkins believed that if you could reset the clock and recreate what the child missed as an infant, you could reverse their behavior and make them, quote, normal. More or less. And um, I don't know how I feel about that. I mean, I guess, okay, I can see the the beginning part. Every time you left hungry and pain, what diaper? You know, I can, like, okay, you can sell me on that. Saying that, like, every time your parents didn't respond to a fundamental need that you had as a baby, it messed you up in your head. I can, I'm following. But then the part where you talk about um, resetting the clock and recreating what the child missed as an infant is the part where you kind of lose me, and kind of the part where you you lose me on this whole spiel, because up till now, I mean, I was a little sketchy about the whole situation, and then right about here is where I was like, um, nope, like what, (laughs) what what is happening? So on January 20th, 2000, Gene signed a contract agreeing to pay $7,000 for a two-week quote rebirthing therapy in Colorado so the therapy began on April 10th of that same year before starting the therapy Jean changed or eliminated all of Candice's medication she was no longer taking the amphetamine for her ADD or her antidepressant but her use of Risperdal which was a calming calming medication was doubled the day after they arrived in Evergreen Jean said this was due um, this was done to counteract Candace's assaultive behavior but nothing else was specifically noted. At this time Candace was so drugged Watkins later stated that she had a, a look in her eye like nobody's home. So you take this child off of all the medications that you put her on just abruptly don't wean her off just take her off of everything. Fly her out to Colorado to be poked and prodded by strangers. But then sedate her at the same time. Doesn't that feel like fishy or wrong? That feels concerning. I guess is like a good word for that. I don't know if. Like, once again, it's it's getting it's getting weird at this point. So um, after a week in the program, Candace and Jean began quote quote what they called compression therapy. Um, where Candace was bound tightly in sheets with her head exposed and was placed on the floor with a couch cushion surrounding her. Um, Jean was instructed to lay on top of her, um, making a cross with their bodies. So, like, Jean and a couple other people were laying, like, going to crisscross over Candace. The goal was that, after seeing her new mother in charge, Candace would connect with Jean, and after doing this for three hours... Candace was instructed to lay in Jean's arms like a baby and to let Jean feed her. Candace did what she was told, and Jean was so happy that she cried. Alright. So, on Tuesday, April 18th, 2000, Candace was in Watkins' home with therapist Julie Ponder. Uh, so the entire incident was recorded, and yeah, um, if you Google Cavernay and True Crime, um, Candace Newmaker, you'll find the blog post, and I have a link to the whole transcript, um, it's about halfway down the page, um, yeah, so this whole thing has been recorded, you can read the full transcripts, uh, it's rough, I will warn you, um, I include some of it. Um, the parts that are important for the story, but the rest of it's all kind of in there, and it's all really just upsetting and kind of sad. So if you're not into that, then I would recommend you don't read it. But if you want to read it because you're curious and you're like me, go for it. Um, So the scene begins with Candace yawning and stating that she didn't sleep well, that she had a recurring nightmare, that she was being murdered by her birth mother. Candace is reassured that her new mother loves her very much, which, I wrote, the irony of this is palatable because it's about to go really south. Um, Ponder explains the rebirthing practice that is about to take place. The group is joined by um, Britta St. Clair, which is Watkins' office manager, and her fiancé Jack McDaniel. I don't know who these people are. I don't know why they're involved um, because obviously Dr. Watkins was one of the people and Ponder is Julie Ponder is a home home therapist. So cool, I get that. But then why is an office manager and her fiancé here why are they here what what is their purpose in this whole game i'm not entirely sure so they're involved as well um candace is instructed to lay down on a navy blue flannel sheet on the ground and to get into the fetal position so they said imagine yourself as a teeny little baby inside your mother's womb and what it felt like warm it felt tight because her stomach was all around you um ponder then wrapped candace in the sheet ends twisted above her head and feet She was then covered by pillows. So Watkins sat on Candace's feet. Uh, Britta St. Clair leaned her back against Candace's knees. And um, Jack McDaniel lies next to St. Clair along Candace's chest. It's kind of hard to explain. There aren't pictures. Um, Basically Candace is on the ground in the fetal position wrapped up in a sheet with three people putting their weight on her just that yeah where people are doesn't matter but there's these people are all putting all their weight on her um ponder is at candace's head holding the sheets tight um tightly closed and her left hand uh and then move she moves away to lead the therapy and Jean is instructed to stay near candace's head where she will emerge so basically ponder wrapped her up got her real tight in this sheet thing womb i guess you could call it Um, It hands it off to Jean, who is going to lay there and hold the sheet shut. So, because she's, well, it'll make sense in a second, but she's going to hold the sheet shut, and then um, Ponder is going to kind of instruct this, whatever this rebirthing ceremony or practice is. Okay, Um, so the cumulative weight of all the adults putting their weight on... Candace was 673 pounds which was all on just this tiny little 70 pound girl um Candace is uncomfortable and confused like cuz obviously you would be um you're wrapped up in a sheet and you're being told to get out of it i don't understand how you're supposed to um so after 10 minutes candace wants to give up she says i can't do it i can't breathe Um, Less than a minute later, Candace says she's going to die, that she really can't breathe. She begs the adults to stop pushing on her, that she cannot get out on her own. Well, Ponder tells Candace that being reborn is, quote, the hardest thing that you do. Candace begins to give up. The weight of the adults on her is too much. She says, okay, I'm dying. I'm sorry. Ponder responds, you want to die? Okay, then die. Go ahead. Die right now. Jean begins to feel rejected, that Candace isn't trying to be reborn, that she doesn't love her. After 20 minutes, Candace vomits and defecates in her womb. After a half hour, Candace becomes quiet. Ponder and Watkins instruct her to scream for her life, but Candace refuses. They applied more pressure, but Candace only whimpers. After 40 minutes, Jean asks Candace, "'Baby, do you want to be reborn?' Candace only could weakly respond, "'No.'" It was her last word ponder then taunted candace just saying the word quitter over and over and over and over again and calling her a quitter and saying she was a quitter um, after 10 more minutes of silence ponder reached in- and <laughs> ponder reached inside the sheet and stated that candace was still breathing fine seven more minutes go by and ponder places her hand inside the sheet again she's pretty sweaty which is good we could do this forever just stay here um, Jean decided to leave the room feeling rejected by her daughter. She and Watkins go upstairs um, to a room to watch a t- Ooh. She and Watkins go to an upstairs room to watch the rest from a TV monitor. The team leaves her like this and even make comments such as, "Oh, there she is. She's sleeping in her own own vomit. Uh, Candace was wrapped in the sheet for 40 minutes What? went silent, and after thirty minutes of silence, Ponder and Watkins found her unconscious without a pulse. Candace is not breathing, her face is blue. Jean and Ponder try to revive her and call 911, and the paramedics arrived at eleven oh six AM When paramedics arrived to the scene, they found Candace partially wrapped in a sheet with vomit on her face and a smear of blood around her nose. She was blue and cool to the touch. Paramedics believe that she had been unconscious and not breathing for quite some time. However, Candace wasn't dead, and paramedics got her on life support at a uh, children's hospital. The following morning, Candace dies from brainstem herniation and cerebral edema brought on by mechanical asphy- as- as- mm, asphyxiation. She was smothered, the doctor wrote, when she was restrained during a therapy session. Jean Newmaker pleaded guilty to ne- neglect and abuse charges and was given a four-year suspended sentence, which, which, after which the charges were expunged from her record. A Colorado judge sentenced Ponder and Watkins to 16 years in prison for their roles in suffocating Candace. The sentences were announced in separate appearances. In a brief statement before her prison term was made public, Watkins told the court, I feel sorrow, regret, and remorse that torments me every waking hour. I failed Candace and I failed her mother. I accept full responsibility. Ponder told the court, I have to live the rest of my life knowing that Candace was dying next to me and I wasn't aware of it. Watkins was paroled in June 2008 under, quote, intense supervision with restrictions on contact with children or counseling work having served approximately seven years of her 16-year sentence. Um, Even before the trial ended, Colorado lawmakers pushed through a measure called Candace's Law that banned rebirthing therapies in the state. This type of rebirthing is now illegal, though Evergreen, Colorado, is still the hub for attachment therapy cures and that my friends is the unfortunate and untimely death of Candace Newmaker uh yep that's a real that's a real bummer to kind of end on but i mean at least you know that they're not they're not doing that anymore that type of therapy is illegal it should have never been allowed to begin with is my my statement but that's just it is just what it is um okay well thank you for sitting here for the last 25 minutes with me it's been a nice break from uh the chaos of normal life and i will see you guys for next week's well sundays serial killer short uh, i hope you all have a marvelous true crime tuesday and a marvelous rest of your week